Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we have been discussing Dutch Sheets' book, Intercessory Prayer. Last week, we were talking about what actually happened at the cross. According to Dutch Sheets, it was sort of a wrestling match between Jesus and Satan. And we showed that it was actually about the atonement and access to God. The quote that we've been discussing is found on page 67 of the book. We've covered the first half of the quote. We're going to pick up today with keys of the kingdom and authority being transferred. So here's the quote. This is Dutch Sheets. And yes, behind the scenes, it was violent. Captives were rescued. Bruises were inflicted. Keys were exchanged. Authority was transferred. After each of these quotes, he does give some scripture references and parentheses. We discussed the first half of them last week. Today, we're going to talk about keys were exchanged. So what does he even mean, keys were exchanged? What is that a reference to? This whole worldview really goes back to the idea that when um, Satan tempted Eve all the way through history, um, the authority over the church or over the whole world gets tossed back and forth. Okay. So what we need to know, for one thing, that's not a biblical worldview, but we'll get to that. So keys were exchanged. So evidently before, he must mean Satan had the keys? It's kind of what it implies. And this is the one little segment that he didn't put any reference in parentheses. I think the reader's meant to assume he means Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Yes. And so there's no passage that says the keys were at one time held by Satan and now they're exchanged. Right. Sure that it probably goes all the way back to that word of faith doctrine that's taught by Kenneth Copeland and others. And um, the idea that when, when, excuse me, when Adam and Eve fell, when they rebelled against God, they lost their authority over the earth and it went to Satan. Okay. And so there's this whole process of, of getting it back. Right. And we've mentioned in, in other series and even earlier in this one, you like to use the football analogy. Do you just want to explain that one more time? Well, I've used it a number of times, and I today was looking back at some of the articles we've written over the decades and covered this topic many times. A lot of people are deceived by this. Okay. And the most egregious version I ever heard was from Kenneth Copeland, who claimed that Adam committed high treason have you heard that one? Yes, I've heard that one. High treason means he turned the authority over to Satan. Okay. Serpent. Yes. And so God had no authority on the earth. He had to get it back by finding somebody who had faith. Okay. And so that process went along. 
and usually failed. And so Jesus comes to get this authority back. Right. So underlying this whole heresy is the idea that God doesn't rule his own creation. Yes. And that he needs various agents to gain it or lose it or whatever may be the case. Right. And Dutch Sheet says that very frequently. He needs a man on earth, too. He needs someone on earth, too, and fill in whatever it is he's discussing. And I'm a little bit, I wish he had been more clear about what he meant by keys were exchanged. But later in this chapter, he's talking about how God needs someone on earth to enforce his victory at the cross. And so I'd like to take some time just to read this Matthew 16, 19. And let's discuss what the keys of the kingdom actually are, because that's what God is expecting of us. Do you want to read that Matthew 16, 19? Yes, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Okay. So now if we're assuming this is what he's referring to, which again is unclear, Mm -hmm. what does Matthew mean or what did Jesus mean when he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom? Well, the keys in this context signify the terms of entrance. Okay. And so how does one enter um, what some people call the reign of God or the kingdom? Jesus is the king. Yes. Terms of entrance are are the, the gospel. Okay. So binding and loosing, the first two articles I wrote for critical issues commentary, we're on binding and loosing, which is terms that are um, misused by a lot of people. And depending on the context, generally mean uh, allowing or forbidding, not, you know, binding Satan. Right. Okay. So we wrote, written about that a number of times and rewritten about it. But in this case, what's important is that the confession of Jesus Christ, who died for sins once for all, the proclamation of the gospel, there is the means by which people, be they Jews or Gentiles, who believe the gospel, find entrance into the kingdom. Okay. And that implies forgiveness of sins, the gift of eternal life, and ultimately being with the king in heaven. And then beyond that, in the eschaton, in the end of the age, reigning with him. Yes. There are a lot of uh, details. This is a complex event, but the keys are the terms of entrance. And that's by faith in Jesus Christ who died for sins. Okay. So this is not about Jesus getting keys from Satan. And it's not about Jesus handing authority over to the church. It's about proclaiming the gospel. Yeah, those who teach the other way um, go back to the temptation and Satan offering uh, authority over the earth if he would just avoid the cross. Right. Okay, turn this has all been given to me. So probably that's 
the reference he's thinking about. Okay. Oh, now, Satan is the liar and the father of the lie. And whenever he speaks, he lies. But whatever he did have, I would not say, based on everything we know out of the Old Testament, that Satan had authority over the earth. Right. We, you know, we could only get as far as Job 1, and we would know that wasn't true. Yeah, he even to uh, do what he did with Job required permission. Right. God continues to run his own universe. What's wrong with popular religion, popular Christianity, is a belief that God really isn't in charge of his own universe. Yes. And it's not only these very extreme teachers that believe that, but many evangelicals believe it. Okay. And that's true. Yeah. And I preached on that what, a couple of weeks ago from Romans 8. I, if you're listening to this, I would suggest that you get a good, solid understanding of the doctrine of providence. Absolutely. Okay. That would keep you, if you understood the doctrine of providence, that God allows evil and God uses evil for a greater good. And the example of Acts 2.23, Genesis um, 50.40, is that it? Or 50.20? Okay. Meant for evil, God meant it for good. You can look it up in the concordance. Okay. And there are many other examples. In the end, Job's restored. People learn things. Right. God's purposes go forward. So the view of Dutch sheets and the word of faith, the new apostolic reformation, many of these teachers and Pelagians who believe that there's no real fall, that everything depends on man making the right decision and giving God permission to do certain things. However you want to look at this, it's not biblical. Right. Because the fall in Genesis 3, as described in Genesis 3, caused separation from God. Yes. It isn't man having the authority and then turning it over to Satan as they... Okay. Right? Right. God is sovereign, and that's found throughout the Old Testament. Absolutely. And there are passages passages that say all things are your servants right so either the various biblical writers were all in air and they should have got it right and realized that dualism is true satan is in charge of all the evil and god's only in charge of the good or the football was fumbled away in the garden now satan has it and we're having a tug of war to get it back okay this goes on and on that mm -hmm. uh, listeners will never give you hope, confidence, knowledge of the forgiveness of sins, or assurance that God will keep all of his promises. Right. If we want to have assurance, we have to be able to trust God and believe that his word is true and that he is in control of all things. Yes. And so the one tape that I still have uh, that I got digitized following the faith of Abraham by uh, Kenneth Copeland. It was done in 80. Okay. It just lays this view out that taught here by Dutch Sheets. 
Okay. Nobody over the earth is Satan's and the keys exchange, meaning now Jesus is getting it back. Right. And would they usually claim then that Jesus hands those keys to the church? That would be the interpretation later in Matthew 28. Okay. So if Matthew 16 talks to Peter. Now, this has been debated throughout church history. Rome would claim that Peter was the first pope, and th that version of uh, their thinking would say, well, we have the keys. We okay. have the authority because we're in the seat of Peter at times. But that's not correct either. And binding would mean um, that you're bound to some doctrine or moral code or the fact that you need to be loosed. Okay. So being loosed means you're permitted and bound means you're forbidden. Right. And so now looking at that as forbidding and permitting, under what authority is that given? What is that? What law is that referring to? Well, in this case, in Matthew, you can see that often with the religious leaders of Israel that were that were the opponents of Jesus. Yes. In Matthew 23, uh, there's a woe spoken to the scribes and Pharisees. They they've tied up heavy burdens and laid them on men's back, but you won't lift them with a finger. Okay. okay? In Matthew 11, Jesus says, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right. See, the authority of Jesus Christ is solid. Yes. Okay? This isn't something he has to get from Satan. Okay. Um, and the temptations aren't there to show Satan had authority over the earth. It shows that Jesus did not fall into the same to the sin in the wilderness that Israel did. Right. In, in, I don't remember if this was in a sermon or one of our CICs, but you did at one point a really good job of showing how everywhere that, that Israel failed in the wilderness, Jesus succeeded. Right. So Jesus uh, succeeded the very son of God uh, succeeded where, Israel failed. Yes. So the leadership of Israel at this time were the critics of Jesus. And he issues the universal call in Matthew 11. Come unto me, you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And if you look at Matthew 23, they were heavy laden because the leadership was putting more binding and more rules and more laws on them. And they, they did, exempted themselves. Right. Politicians so, tend to do that, by the way. Yeah. In this case, so they were falsely binding, giving laws that God never gave. Right. So somehow the people that are full of pride and power, they're exempted right. in their minds. Jesus offers rest. That was at the end of Matthew 11. If you go before that, there are these woes that okay. some of the worst uh, sinners in their history would have repented had they seen the miracles that was, were done there in Israel. Oh. Okay, Jesus says that, and then he issues this universal call. And then Matthew 12, they start debating against Jesus about Sabbath rules. Right. And they accuse Jesus of being 
a Sabbath breaker, and they're saying, uh, you're the sinner. Right. Wow. And what did Jesus claim? Well, I'll have to see if I can't get authority from the keys from Satan. <laughs> no. I didn't say that. <laughs> didn't say that. Claimed to be the Lord of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a claim of deity. That's not a claim that somehow um, Satan was still in charge and we're going to have to deal with that problem. Yes, that, that actually would have made Satan the Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah, it's it's really absurd. So there's many different contexts which we've written about that. If you go to CICministry.org and go to the little search box, go to just search our site that way, you'll find binding, loosing, uh, and so on. And yes. See how this goes. But it's biblical. And whenever there's a passage that's been disputed in church history, the false teachers will latch onto that and use it however they see fit. Right. Yeah. We saw a little bit of that last week, too, with the First Peter 3 verse. Yeah. The more so, obscure it is, for whatever reason, and a lot of those obscurities have been resolved through some of the scholarship that we've done, discoveries of scrolls and what have you, they latch onto that and fill in the blanks. It's better to go to what we know is true. Yes. What does it mean to build on the rock in, in Matthew 7? Whoever hears these teachings of mine is do and does them, it's like the one who builds on the rock. Right. And the rains won't come and destroy the house. Yes. So Jesus claims authority and power in Luke and Matthew throughout the Gospels. And the false teachers say, no, Satan has it. Jesus came to get it back. Right. Which really leads us then to the second part of this quote by Dutch Sheets. The, the very end of that quote is, keys were exchanged, authority was transferred. And there he says, see Matthew 28, 18. So let's just maybe read Matthew 28, 18. I think we should read through verse 20 and let's see what authority was transferred here, if any. Okay, here's what it says. This is at uh, what we call the Great Commission. Okay. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's Matthew oh. 28, 18 to 20. Okay, so when these false teachers say authority was transferred, can we find that in this verse? Would well, that be wait, Matthew's meaning? That was not Ma what Matthew was telling us, but they say, given meaning evidently took it from satan okay see now and i would sure. read that and say it was given to him by god the father yes absolutely it's anyway and we've said this often in this series any way they can think of to diminish the uniqueness of christ the supremacy of christ the superiority of christ the authority of christ and somehow make it dependent on certain people showing up. Mm -hmm. 
they latch on it. Absolutely. And that one audio of Kenneth Copeland literally says God had no authority on the earth until someone would come along and have faith and get some of it back. Wow. That's, that's you know, I, I've said this many, many times, but it should be shocking, but it's not. No, because that's the most popular version. Now, not everyone would be quite so extreme, but the fact is that God has never lost authority over the very creation that he holds together. Right. Okay. And the deity of Christ is something that's eternal. Yes. Okay. So Jesus Christ is God, the son. This is a Trinitarian verse we're looking at because the Trinity is true. And he is the very creator himself. So there's certain mystery to this, but we need to go by what we do know from Scripture, what's revealed. That Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, was predicted throughout the Old Testament. The incarnation, in fact, appeared at times in the Old Testament. And that he himself has all authority. And the authority here is given by the triune God of the Bible. It wasn't re recovered from Satan. Right. When we were talking yesterday, as we were kind of preparing for the show, we were talking about what really was transferred. And I actually wrote down what you said because it was so clever, but we were talking about Colossians 1.13, and that's where we see a real transfer. And I think that'd be a great way to close this program. So if you want to share Colossians 1.13 with us, we can just, discuss just briefly the true transfer that happened through the gospel at the cross. What happens is that those who, who believe are rescued from the domain of darkness. Right. Okay, so uh, let's get the, the concept in, into our uh, listeners' minds so that we understand what the issue is. This is relational, not technological. Right. Okay. That's very important. Yeah, it's relational. Okay. And so the problem was sin, alienation yes. from God due to our own sin. Okay. What's needed is forgiveness of sins. The transfer that everyone needs is to be transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Right. And so I've written about that. There's a whole article on that and critical issues. But let me read Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Okay. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son and whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Okay. Now, that same truth is revealed in Acts 26, 18, when Paul, before a king, said that Jesus commissioned Paul to do this through what Christ would do through him. 
excuse me, Acts 26, 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. That is Acts 26, 18. There's so much more about this, and we are spending time on this because not understanding this is what allows the false teachers to convince other people that they have some powerful secret and they are bigger than life and they have the ability to tell God what to do and defeat Satan. And what God has done and what he's provided for us is forgiveness of sins that cannot be taken away by Satan. And we should have confidence and hope, not the need to go find some great, glorious apostle, prophet, or man of God who knows something we don't know. Matthew 20, 18. It says, it, he says, go and make disciples of all the nations. What do we learn? What do the disciples learn? That God's going to save Gentiles and Jews. Yes. And make them disciples. And what they're, the baptism is, again, that's very rich, but it means that they've, like Israel coming out of Egypt, baptized in the sea, 1 Corinthians 10, and come on out, baptized in the spirit. Okay. Here we have God taking people out of darkness, bondage, slavery, deliver them from the wrath of God because of sin, and giving them an inheritance and hope and forgiveness through forgiveness of sins. And they are in the kingdom of his beloved son. Don't believe those who say, we're the enforcers of this. Yeah. That's a preview of where this is all going. No, we need to believe the promises of God, not listen to these false teachers like Dutch sheets. Right. As, as you've said before, it's people that are transferred, not authority. Right. The authority is now executed by Jesus Christ as it's at the right hand of God, Psalm 110, verse 1. And what authority we have is, is delegated for us as believers. The apostles went and preached the forgiveness of sins. Yes. And they preached to Gentiles and Jews and anyone all the way to the ends of the earth. Now, that's in Acts, that's at the end of Luke. And we don't need to embellish this to create a worldview that's not in the Bible. If your sins are forgiven and you're released, you're loosed from death, darkness, and the wrath of God, and you have a relationship with God. So the church is not going to fumble away back to Satan the authority that God gave to Jesus the son who's, who's prophesied in Psalm 110, verse 1. Right. Wow. Amen. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. 
and Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.